0: Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen, amen. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning. Um, And just as you heard in that song and in that passage, uh, that's what we're gonna be focusing on today. That song, Call It Grace, that really reveals a lot of what we've been talking about for the last several weeks leading up to Easter. We've been going through a series called Grace Revealed. And what we've been talking about is how Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, when he walked around, when he interacted with people, he revealed to us what grace is like. What God is like. See, Jesus being fully God and fully man, he would not act in a way that the Father would not, that the Holy Spirit would not. And so as we learn about Jesus, we're learning about what grace is, what it looks like. And so as we've done this, we've been getting a better and better picture of grace and of God. And today we're gonna focus in on one of the statements that maybe reveals grace to us better than probably most others, and that is the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus as the good shepherd. And and what's what's great about this is throughout this series, we've been focusing on what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus, and what does that show us? Or what did Jesus say uh, to the woman caught in adultery? What does that show us? But today, we're talking about Jesus being the good shepherd. And there's no bridge we have to cross and say, well, he said that to her, how does that apply to me? Jesus is the good shepherd, and we're the sheep. See, this is how Jesus wants to interact with you and I. This isn't for someone else, this is for you today. This is for me today. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. But he didn't just start that phrase. That didn't just first come with with Jesus in the New Testament. This theme of God being our shepherd and of us being sheep goes throughout the entire Bible. And we're gonna look at that today. Some of you may know Psalm 23, right? That, that's in the Old Testament. David wrote that years and years before Jesus would have been born. And it says what? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There, there's this picture throughout Scripture that God wants to be our shepherd. And that teaches us something about who he is. But it also should teach us something about who we are. He's the good shepherd and he calls us his sheep. And and so as we dive in today, before we get to really all that it means that Jesus is the good shepherd, I want us to take a minute and talk about what does it mean that we are like the sheep? We are his sheep. What what does that mean? Because today shepherds aren't nearly as common as they were back back then. But I wanna focus in on three different things that that this reveals to, to us about ourselves, okay? If Jesus is the good shepherd and we are the sheep, there's a few things that we have in common with sheep. And the first thing is this, we need to be led. We need to be led. Here's something you you may or may not know about sheep. You do know it if, if you've been with them much, but they don't have a strong sense of direction and they need to be led. They may know what they need. They know they're hungry, they know they're thirsty, but they don't know where to find it. They need to be led, but here's something else you may or may not know about sheep. They will follow something. And they don't always follow what they should. As I was preparing for this message, I read a story. This is a true story uh, that happened in the Middle East where there's still, um, shepherds are more common than they are here. And what happened was these shepherds, they they had this big flock, a a huge flock of sheep, over 1,500 sheep. And they took their eyes off them just for about 30 minutes so they could go eat some lunch. Nobody's watching the sheep. They come back. The whole flock is gone. They go, they look, there's a cliff. One sheep walked over the cliff. 1,500 followed. Only 400 died because at the bottom there was a huge pile of sheep and they're pretty fluffy. So the, the last 1,100 landed on like a big pillow. But 400 sheep died because they will tend to follow someone even if it's not the right person to follow. See, sheep need to be led. Sheep need a shepherd. And as I thought about that, Well, I don't think there are many of us in here, some of the teens I work with I wonder, but I don't think there's many of us here who would follow someone over a cliff. Sorry teens, I shouldn't have said that. I don't think there are, but we do sometimes follow the wrong people. We can put our trust in people that we shouldn't. We can follow them. And you know, as I thought about it, I thought, you know, for for teens and and youth, sometimes it it almost amuses me and not so much the teens here, but especially where I was before, there were some that were really into like following certain people on Snapchat and Instagram, these famous people, and like they really wanted to be like them. Some of them would dress like them even. And you start to wonder, it's like, wow, it's kinda so funny that they're following this person. Why would they put their trust in him? And it can almost be dangerous if they follow him too much because that person isn't leading them towards Christ. But then I thought about us as adults too, and you know, We can put our trust in some people, too, that we shouldn't. I've seen some people, some adults, so tie themselves to a politician, either party, it doesn't matter, that we begin to start taking their ideals on us more than we take Christ's ideals. And I say, wait a second, I'm not supposed to follow a politician or or a party. That stuff is secondary to Christ, but we can follow people to the wrong place if we don't stay centered on Christ. Now I'm not saying politicians are bad. I mean, you can make your own judgment. But there are things, times we need to be careful because we need to be led, but we will often follow people who take us away from Christ. And see, there's a a passage in scripture, this is in Jeremiah, so this is explaining the situation. I want you to see, all this stuff is explaining the situation that Jesus walked into. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse six, here's what it says. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray and turned them loose in the mountains. They have lost their way and can't remember how to get back to the sheepfold. And as I thought about that, I thought about our situation right here in, in America. A nation that was undoubtedly very Christian, founded in that. But several have been led away from where we came from. And you know for many people, they'd say they've never been they never were raised in the church. They don't know Christ. They, they they never knew, and how would they ever know the way back to the sheepfold? Part of that's our responsibility as Christians. We're supposed to share the good news, but this is the reality that Jesus walked into. My people have been lost sheep. They've been led astray. They've had people leading them the wrong way. Now, there's some people in here that would, I I know this because a part of me does too. There's some people in here that when I say we need to be led, you almost take offense at it. It's like, I do not need to be led. I know where I'm going, I've had a plan, I've followed that plan, I'm independent, I I, I know where I'm going. And you might even say, God made me that way, I know where I'm going. But guess what, I just have one question for you. Even if you could navigate this life so well, tell me, what's your next turn after death? Can anybody here navigate your life into eternity? If it's not over at the moment you die, even if you feel like you've got this life so under control, you have no idea, I have no idea the next step to take if I'm not being led by a shepherd. And that's why Jesus said, I am the way. See, we don't have to figure out the next turn. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. Come to me, you can follow me. I am the good shepherd, we need to be led. But second, and this is a way we're just like sheep, we need to be protected. We need to be protected. Sheep, I gotta tell you, so supposedly they're saying the way sheep are now and in Jesus' time, that's not the way they were before. They used to be strong and all this and they've just kinda been domesticated down to being weak, but regardless now, sheep are prey, right? Sheep are prey, sheep are not predators. If a sheep gets attacked, it's got two options, right? Can do that. It can kick, or it can run, that's it. And and the problem with sheep is, they're not faster than the predators. So they can either kick, now you can imagine how that's gonna go for a sheep trying to kick a bear, or they can run, and you can imagine how that's gonna work with a sheep trying to outrun a wolf. They can't, so here's what happens when sheep get attacked. They flock up, and they run around, and essentially the goal is this, try not to be the one that gets eaten. That's, that's sheep self-defense 101. Try not to be the one that gets eaten. Run around, try to get to the middle of the circle because if you get separated at all, you're gonna be the one that gets taken. They can't defend themselves. And they do have an enemy. And, and, and we're reminded in 1 Peter 5.8 that we're similar to this, we have an enemy as well. First Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. But once again, this isn't physical, we're talking about a spiritual battle that we're in, and we need to be protected. I don't even know if you noticed, but as he read the passage, it also talked about how this wolf tries to attack and scatter the flock. He tries to scatter the flock because as we're separated, one, we we no longer hear the voice of the shepherd, but two, we're weaker alone. If our only defense is hopefully running around together, then separated, we're completely helpless. And so we have an enemy. We need to be protected but how does this enemy work? Okay, because it's different. I know some of you are very physically strong, and, and, and once again, hearing this idea of we need to be protected, sometimes that, that hurts because we feel very independent. We feel very strong. But the enemy works in so many ways. Let me just give you a few examples of how he tries to scatter the flock. It's not physical at all. It happens like this. You grow up in a church, and you've, you, you've kind of got this faith in Christ, and maybe you grow up and you're very innocent, and then you find out something about Someone in the church. Someone in the church really lets you down. Maybe a pastor did something that he or she should have never done and treated you in a way that you just say, I, I can't go back to church anymore. You know how many people I know who have been hurt by church that say they won't go back anymore? It's part of the way the enemy tries to scatter the flock. Do you know how many people I know who have said, I lost faith in Christ because of what a person who claims to follow him did to me? It's the enemy tries to scatter the flock. And, and we have, I wanna tell you, we have an enemy, but it's not a physical enemy, it's an enemy of our souls. See, Jesus said, I've come, I lay my, do- my life down for the sheep, and I've come to give them eternal life. What's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to stop that from happening. You could be the strongest man in this room. You could, you could, you could be able to lift a 1,000 pounds. But I want you to think about this. You cannot add one minute to your life. All your strength, all, all, everything that you've worked for, you can't guarantee your health. You can't stop yourself from getting sick. I, I mean, you can do all these things, and, and we might say, I don't need to be protected, but in reality, we have control of a lot less than we actually realize sometimes. You can be the most independent and strong woman to ever walk the planet. But on your own, you can't save your soul. See, it doesn't matter. We need someone to protect us. There's so many things beyond our control. We're just like sheep in that way. We need someone to protect our hearts from getting bitter. We need someone to protect our souls, to keep us on the path. We need a good shepherd. But third is this. This is the third way that we're like sheep. We're prone to wander. We are prone to wander. It's an interesting thing I read about sheep as I was studying. It's funny because I was reading about the need for shepherds and here's what it said. Even when sheep have all they need, they still wander when they're left alone. Isn't that interesting? They could have the water, they could have the food, they could have the shelter, they could have all they need and without a shepherd, they still tend to wander, and this is is the point that that the Old Testament, and even Jesus is driving home when he says, I am the good shepherd, the reality is, all of us have wandered. We've all wandered, Isaiah 53, six says it like this, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. We've left God's past to follow our own. So the picture here, like we heard in the Old Testament, it's got, it, it says the Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want, or I have everything I need. The New Testament, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. But our reality is this, like sheep, we have all gone astray. Every one of us has gone on our own path. And what I want to point out here is that while a lot of times we, we tend to think about going astray as being the big sins, and don't get me wrong, that, that, that's true. I mean, you know, killing, murder, or, or, or stealing, whatever that may be, the, the big sins, yeah, that, that's, that's part of the way we can go astray. But I want you to notice here that in this passage, it doesn't just list these big, one, big ones. Here's what does it say. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. All that meant was we left God's path to follow our own. And every one of us at some point in our life, we've we've decided to go our own way. Some people in this room, I know it because I've had conversations, there are some people in this room who could tell you the very moment that they decided to walk away from God. Or they could tell you the very moment when there was a separation. It's like maybe they grew up and they believed in Christ, but there was a moment when they said, I'm just going to go my own way. I have a moment like that. I have a moment like that. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up believing in God, believing in Jesus, and uh, you know, uh, when you're in elementary school, I didn't understand everything, but, but I believed, and, uh, and, I, and I trusted God, and, and my parents, were, they, they led me in, in the right way to go, and I can remember this clear as day still. I was in seventh grade, It was early on in seventh grade, and that was when, where I was at, that was when you changed schools. You went to middle school in seventh grade, and I had a locker for the first time, and I I remember looking around, and a couple schools had merged, and there were so many new people there, and I remember looking around and just thinking to myself, like, wow, man, this is crazy. Like, there's so many people, And, and I, you know, started thinking, like, am I gonna make friends? How's this gonna work out? And I thought that, but I can remember one day at my locker, and I can, There's not too many times in my life I would say, I heard God speak to me, but I know without a doubt the Lord spoke this very thing to me. He said, Travis, you need to get serious about your faith. You need to make your faith real or you're gonna get swept away. There was so much happening around me, so many different ways I could go. I'd been on God's path to that point in my life, but that was really kind of the only path. This was the first time when I was starting to get a little more freedom and start to have options. And he said, Travis, you need to make your faith real or you're gonna get swept away. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to do that. I didn't do that, though. I didn't do that, and it wasn't long you know, that year started a downward spiral in my life. I became a liar, I wasn't a liar before that. I became a liar, I started lying about things. I began, uh, in the next couple years, I began doing drugs. That very year was the first time I ever saw pornography. It was the first time I ever chewed tobacco. Seventh grade! I had no idea these, at- these temptations were gonna come my way, and they did, and I, did, I didn't get rooted. And, and next thing I know, I was devoured. I needed someone to protect me, I heard the shepherds call, I went my own way, and I went on a downward spiral with my friends, with my other church friends, too. And I remember we'd all think, and we'd all laugh, and we'd all say, we're not gonna be like this forever, we're gonna change, this isn't gonna be who we are. But you know what, most of them didn't come back. Most of them did get swept away. If it wasn't for God searching for me, I'd have a very different story. If God had just let me go, I want you to know, I'd have a very different story, and that's the whole point of this, guys. God d- never left you. You didn't, he, he wouldn't just leave you. If there was a turning point in your life, I know what it was in mine, I left him. We all, like sheep, have strayed away. The grass looks a little greener on the other side, but what, here's what happens. It's just like when you get lost when you're out hiking. Has that ever happened to anybody? Or you get lost when you're out hunting. It's not until you decide to turn around that you realize how lost you actually are, right? I I mean, there was one day I I went out hunting and I went to this stand and and it was pitch black out and I said, I know a shortcut. I think I can go back this other way and if it doesn't lead me the direction I want to go, I'll just turn around. So I walked and walked and walked. And I got to where I thought I needed to turn and I said, this isn't it, I'm gonna head back. What I didn't know was there was another fork in the trail and I couldn't see it when I was coming this way but when I went back, I took the wrong direction. And by the time I wanted to get back where I started, there was no hope. I was lost, I walked miles out there. It it was close to two hours just walking in the woods having no idea where I was and that's the same thing that happened to me spiritually between seventh grade and twelfth grade. And some of you today could probably relate with that in your own life. There was a time when you were close with God, there was a time you walked with him, but you you reached a point where you went your own way and you tried to find your way back on your own and let me tell you, you're not gonna find it. You get lost because here's what Romans 6, 16 says. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. See, I didn't understand some of this at that age. I thought I could just do something, come back to God, do something, come back to God, but I got caught in a whirlwind. I got caught in something I never wanted to, and it was hard to come back. In a lot of ways, this passage reminds me of the giant drop at Six Flags, Anybody ever rode the giant drop at Six Flags? Anyone, anyone dumb enough to do that? Get on the one that takes you all the way to the top and then it drops you? Okay, well, this passage reminds me of that because that's what happens with sin. I got on the ride myself, you know, I remember being with my friends at Six Flags and they were all saying, let's ride the giant drop. You may have a different name for it, maybe you call it Tower of Terror. Um, and you, they said, you just get on this thing, you go up and it drops you. I'm like, that's fine. And so we, we all go and we're all excited and we go and I strap myself in and I'm like, this is gonna be so much fun. We waited in line an hour to get on this ride. And I remember specifically the first time I rode that, about halfway up I said, yeah, I don't wanna do this. Right, Anyway, I don't wanna do this. But the problem was I didn't control the ride and we're just going up and up, and I look over at my friend's face, Charlie, and he is pale as a ghost. He didn't want to be up there anymore either, but the problem was, sin was taking me up. It looked fun, and sin was about to bring me down, and it wasn't gonna be fun. And we got to the top, and you're just sitting up there for a while, and I'm just thinking, is there any way I can avoid this drop? And then it does, have you ever been on, it does like a kind of a fake drop, it almost like settles into place, like, I'm like Okay, okay. And then just boom, the floor drops out, you just go flying down, you're terrified, you're screaming, we get to the bottom. I'm serious, I believe one of my friends peed pants. I did not call to confirm. We get to the bottom, we were so, I mean, we're just like, why did we go on that? But, but guys, that, that's, what's, that's what's happened. See, this is part of the reason we need a a good shepherd, because when we get off on our own, when we wander our own path, and we've all done it, everyone has done it, we've gone our own way over God's, we get out there, and what seemed fun at first can lose that appeal, but we're stuck with it. See, I strapped myself in, but no matter what I did, I couldn't pull that thing off. It was locked in. I didn't want to go on the ride anymore, but I was on it and it had me locked in. And some of you know what that's like. We can be honest today. Some of you have maybe been struggling with a sin for a long time and you want to be rid of it. But you're locked in, you feel that. You don't wanna go on the ride anymore. Some of of us, I, I know this, we've experienced the damage, we've experienced the drop that this sin has caused, maybe in our marriage, maybe in our family. Spiritually, absolutely, we've experienced what that sin has caused, and we wanna get off, but we don't know the way. We need a good shepherd. We need a good shepherd. So here's what happened, when we left, when we went on our own, we became willing slaves to our sin, trying to reap anything we could, trying to get the, the pleasures that come with it, and not realizing, see, hear this, not realizing that that way, it's not just a ride, it leads to death. And this is where Jesus came in. This is, this is the moment Jesus came. This, is, this was humanity's fate, this was humanity's destiny. We've all strayed away. It's not God's fault, we can't blame someone else. Some bad things have happened to us, God won't hold you accountable for those. But what he will do is say, how have you lived? What have you done? And and to be honest, if we were to stand before God, we'd all have to say, we have strayed away. We have gone our own way. And so Jesus shows up on the scene as the good shepherd with a scattered flock. Some who don't know him, some who've lost hope, some who, who are entrapped in their sin. And in his very first message recorded in the scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, He begins to speak in such a way that was very different than anyone else was speaking. We already talked about how his word had authority, but when Jesus came, he came on a rescue mission, and in his very first sermon, he talked about the way to blessing. So many people didn't know the way to blessing. He talked about the way to blessing. He talked about how to pray, talked about how to connect with God, but you know what's interesting in this first message ever? Jesus talked about hell or judgment or being eternally lost eight times. His first message. And now, I I know there's not many churches today, uh, many pastors that are as clear on hell as Jesus was, but I believe he was clear because he knew the condition of the sheep. He knew where we were headed; he knew we were lost, and so in this in this first sermon he's offering hope, and he's trying to get it let it help us to see that our, our decisions we've made they've led us beyond just bad situations here we're separated from God and we've, we've, we're missing out on that eternal life that he has for us, that blessing and, and so all have gone astray, each has gone their own way, and Jesus comes and he He says, listen, you're on the wrong path. This is the way to blessing. It's not the way you were headed. This is the way to life. This is, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. But we've, we've all gone astray, we've all gone on our own path, and he even speaks about that. In Matthew 7, 13, and 14, he says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And I wonder, I, sometimes I really wonder, I say, Jesus, in the first recorded sermon, Why would you talk about that? Well, let's go back, let's think about sheep. Remember, sheep need to be led, and often they're being led by the wrong people. We can be led in the wrong direction. And what he's coming and he's saying, he's saying everybody's on this main road, going the same direction. Not realizing, like that story we heard earlier, that road leads off a cliff. If it doesn't kill you, it'll hurt you. That road of sin, it's leading away from God. It's leading away from the blessing. It's leading to a place of destruction. And that's not my favorite thing to preach on. It's probably not your favorite thing to, to, to hear preached either, but it's a reality that Jesus talked about more than anyone. He talked about it because he came to save people from it, he came to save people people from that. He, he came and he said, listen, there's a broad way, a lot of people, but there's a narrow way. Come to me, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now when some people hear this, they begin to get a misconception about God. When some people hear that there's a hell, that, that, that our decisions can lead us the wrong way, they get a misconception about God, but I want you to know this, this is from Ezekiel 18. He's always talking about this. He says, do you think that I like to see wicked people die? Do you think God enjoys that? See, some people when they hear about how they think God is sending people to punishment and that's what he's excited about. Like God wants to judge people. No way, he says, do you think that? Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. And he goes on and just uh, later on in that same book, he says, as surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He says, I take none. I'd rather them turn. Why will you die? He calls out, why will you die? Why would you go that route? And so he's trying to make us aware that there is a path, a wide path that many walk down that leads away from God. It leads into destruction. But God did more than just hoping we don't go down it. This is the gospel message. He did more than just hoping we don't go down it. Jesus came to save us from it. Jesus came to save us from it. He shows up, lost sheep everywhere. People who have rebelled against him, myself included. People who have gone astray. People who have, who have done what they known was wrong and have continued to walk in it. People who killed him later on. These are the people Jesus came to and when he shows up, I want you just to see real quickly with me how Jesus interacts with his sheep. His sheep who've gone astray, his sheep who've rebelled, his sheep who are on the wide road to destruction. Here's the first way he responds to us. To all who have gone astray, here's what Jesus says. I have compassion for you. Jesus has compassion for you today. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds talking about Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like what? Like sheep without a shepherd. See, Jesus doesn't delight in our lost condition. It breaks his heart. He has compassion on us. In Jeremiah 31.3, it says this. It says, I have loved you. This is God. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jesus does not want to see one sheep be lost, and we're going to hear about that more. But the reality is this, and, and And there's two truths that I had to bring out this morning that I felt like God put on my heart. One is that hell is real. I felt like God just wanted me to bring that out this morning because Jesus talked about it so much. And as I prepared, he just put it on my heart. Hell is real. But here's the second lie. Here's the second thing I need to bring forward today. So many people think that because they've sinned, God doesn't love them anymore. Because they're lost, because, because they, they've left God, that he doesn't want them anymore. That's craziness. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Listen to this passage from Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. It says this, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. He takes a picture of love that probably most captures it for us. A mother and child. A mother nursing her child. And he says, now can you imagine this mother forgetting about her child? Could she ever forget it? And you know, whenever stuff like this happens, whenever there's a neglect case uh, of a mother who who doesn't love her child, it's so unnatural, it's so foreign to us, it makes the news like every time a mother would do this to her child, would kill her child or have no compassion on her child, neglect them. Why? Because that's the picture of love. And he, he uses this example and he says, that's how I feel about you. Could a mother forget her child, who she's born, who she's nursed, who she cares about so much? Even if she could, I couldn't forget you. And he's using this, he's speaking to us as individuals. God, God hasn't forgotten about you. You know one thing about mothers? They always hope for the best, true mothers, true loving mothers. You know, there may be a son that goes astray. There may be a son son who becomes a thief, that becomes a robber, that goes down a path in life that's led them so far from God. But you know what? You want to find somebody who has hope? Find a loving mother. If that son has a loving mother, you'll find someone who's praying for him, who's hoping for better, who loves him, who wants what's best for him life, who wishes he would change his ways, who who would take him back with open arms if he would just change, if he would just just get rid of this lifestyle. That's the love of a mother. And God says, that's how I feel about you. I I can't forget you. You're on the palms of my hands. Every time I look down, I see you. See, he, he knew his sheep were lost, but he hadn't forgotten them. He hadn't given up on them. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, they're on my hands. God hasn't forgotten you today. Even if you've walked away from him for a long time, he hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you, he cares about you. More than a mother, her son, more than a mother, her daughter, could ever love, God loves you. He's engraved you on the palms of his hands, but more than that, he doesn't just love you and hope you'll return. He's searching for you. Jesus is searching for you. If you're in here today, and and, and maybe you haven't been walking with God, or maybe there's been some things you've let go, and you've even felt God just speaking to you through the worship, maybe a tug on your heart, maybe even in the word today, you've you've just felt that presence of God that way. You know, that's, that's part of Jesus searching for you. Jesus doesn't give up on his lost sheep. I want you to hear this passage from Luke chapter 15. Here's what it says. It says, so Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Uh, he Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And, um, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders, When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And he goes on, he says, in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. He gives a picture here of 100 sheep. There's 100 sheep together, but all of a sudden, one's lost, and the good shepherd goes looking for that sheep. You know, when you left God, he did not stop caring about you. He didn't forget that you used to be part of the number. He made you to be with him. So he leaves the 99 and he seeks after the one. And maybe you need to hear this statement today. Your sin might have caused you to leave the shepherd, but it didn't cause the shepherd to love you less. He's looking for you. He wants to bring you home. You might have left the shepherd, but he hasn't forgotten. He's still seeking after you. He's still looking for you. The fact that you're lost means that he's spending his energy pursuing you. The reason the church exists on the earth, we exist to give glory to God, to worship him. But you know what? If God was done with us, I mean, as soon as we got saved, I believe he'd just take us home. But the church is here for one reason, because God is using his body to reach out to more people. Because he's on a search and rescue mission for those who don't know him. That's the point. In fact, the scripture says, don't think the Lord is slow in returning. That's his patience, that's his kindness. You know, it's it's just like when you're when you're waiting for somebody to leave, and and someone's running late, and you're like, well, let's not leave yet. They're they're, they're coming. I know they're coming. We can't leave without them. I mean, that's how God feels about you. He he's gonna return, but he says, don't don't think I, don't think the Lord's being slow. It's out of His patient love He's waiting for those who have walked away to return. But there's another level of this of Christ being the good shepherd. Yeah. He loves us, yeah, he's searching for us. But there's one more reality about sheep, that when we were lost. See, when we were lost, when we went astray, we racked up a debt that we couldn't pay of sin. Jesus just didn't find us, okay? He didn't just come and find us in the wilderness. Jesus came and found us in the slaughterhouse. All have sinned, all have sinned. And Romans six makes it clear that the, the payment for sin, the wages of going our own way, it leads to death. We already talked about that. But the problem is, there's gotta be a payment. There's gotta be a payment. So all of us like sheep, we've gone astray. But I wanna tell you, Jesus doesn't just come looking for you. When he finds us, he sees the situation we're in. He knows we've got a debt of sin we could never repay. He knows that forgiveness, uh, you cannot just remove the penalty by just forgiving. There's got to be a payment. And where we've gone, where we've led, it's put us on death row. So what does Jesus do? He gave his life for yours. What's so amazing to me is I want you to hear this passage again. In Isaiah 53, verses 6 and 7, here's what it says. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. I want you to hear this. He was led like what? Like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. We... We accrued a debt that we couldn't pay. So what did Jesus do? The shepherd becomes a sheep to pay the price. God became a man to pay the debt that we created so that we could walk free, so that we could have new life, so that we could have eternal life. It's unheard of. A shepherd would never give his life for the sheep. He's watching over all the sheep. What's one sheep compared to the shepherd? But the good shepherd says, I lay my life down for the sheep. You're worth it to me. And so the forgiveness that couldn't be earned ourselves, the way that couldn't be found back on our own, Jesus comes and finds us. And Jesus comes and pays the price. He becomes a lamb and what's so amazing to me, if you read Revelation, the end of the story, Jesus is still known by the name the lamb. He became a lamb, he took our place and he went to the place of punishment for us he didn't just come to say hey there's a wide road that leads to destruction he came to say I'll pay the price so you don't have to go there he didn't just come to reveal sin he came to wipe it clean he didn't just come because we were lost he came to find us and that's the story of Jesus that's the story of Easter see when Jesus went to the cross he went there for you and me he, he didn't just do it be, for, for, for any other reason. He went because you and I had a debt we could not pay, and he said, I will pay it. You may be here today and feel like you have gone, you have done too much, or that you are not a person God could love, but Jesus wants to nail that to the cross. It says, We've we laid on him the sins of us all. That's enough for you, that's enough for me. There's forgiveness available. The question is this. Will you and I listen to the Good Shepherd's voice today? The, the final passage uh, in that Good Shepherd passage that we're gonna look at is this, John 10, 27, and 28. And here's what it says. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And in this short little passage, he gives us some keys of what what it means for us to accept Christ as our Savior. Here's the first thing to know. Jesus is calling you. He wants you to know that he loves you, and he wants you to know that forgiveness is available. Second is this. We have to listen. He says, my sheep listen to my voice, and they follow me. And, and so what does that mean? Well, if we talk, talk about that passage we shared earlier, where how we all like sheep have gone astray, what that means for us is this, it's time to return to God's path. Wherever you were, whatever you've done, can be left behind, the sin can be nailed to the cross, And just today, as you hear God's voice calling, as you hear the voice of the good shepherd, you can leave those things behind and follow him. And the third thing is this. When you follow Jesus, when you turn from your sin, when you say, I'm not gonna live that way anymore, and you follow the good shepherd, you can know. You can know that you have eternal life. If you're in this room today and you don't know that you have eternal life, I want you to know it's not because God hasn't provided a way. Sometimes I'll talk with people, I'll say, do you know you're a Christian? Do you know, do you know you're saved? And they'll say, well, I just don't know. I'm just not sure if I am. But did you know God's provided a way? He wants you to know that. He wants you to have that assurance. He doesn't want us to have to wait until judgment day and say, man, I hope I make it in. Like God has provided a way that we can be saved and that we can know it. And so today, we're gonna have that opportunity. I'm gonna ask the band to come forward. And as they come, we're gonna have a time of prayer. And if you're in this room today, and any of this message has resonated with you, I want you to know that you can leave today. You really can. You can leave today knowing that you're saved knowing that you're a Christian, knowing that you have eternal life. It's not something he dangles out in front of us and says work harder, try and earn it. Maybe on judgment day I'll give you a pass if you're good enough. No, he says your sin disqualified you, I paid the price. Believe in me. Listen to my voice. You'll never make it on your own. But if you believe in me, if you follow me, the gift is yours. It's a free gift. I give my sheep eternal life. They don't earn it. They don't go out and work hard for it. But it's simply, simply this. I'm the good shepherd. I'll lead you where you need to go. If you hear his voice today, you can respond. You can respond. Today could be the day of salvation for you. Just like how we said earlier, you know, there can be a definite time that we know we walked away from God's path. There can be a definite time that we're out in the wilderness and we hear the voice of the shepherd calling. And there can be a definite time that we say, it was at this moment I began following him again. He paid my price. And he's he's leading me home. And you know what? Along the way, it doesn't mean you'll you'll never make a mistake. It doesn't mean any of that. But what it means is your life intention, what you'll do from now on is you're going to follow the shepherd. When he speaks, you're going to listen. If you mess up, you're going to confess it. And you can walk with him and he will lead you home. And so as we're getting ready to sing, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I encourage you to to get wherever you'd like to, to pray. If you wanna pray at these altars, you can come forward. If you come to the altar, we'll have someone there to pray with you. If you'd like to pray at your seat, that's fine. But I want everyone to get in a place of prayer they wanna be, and we're gonna pray. You know, like I said, today you can receive Christ as your savior. And so as we pray, if you wanna do that, you can pray along with me. I'll I'll give you some words, just pray it in your own, own heart, but all it is is saying, God, I know what I've done is wrong. I know I've gone my own way. And Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to follow you. I turn from my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Would you lead me home? I mean, just as simple as that, you can pray that. And he will do it. He will do it. So let's go ahead and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room. And Lord, as we have this moment of silence, as we have this time of prayer, Lord, I pray that you would use it to draw home your children. You love us. God, you love every person in this room, and I pray that that would be so uh, well-known by them at this point. They would recognize your love and care for them. And Lord, as we... Pray, Lord, that you would just give us that assurance of knowing, God, that we can walk with you today. We don't have to wait. So now if you, if you want to pray that prayer, if you want to just invite Jesus into your life, if you want to follow him today, you can pray along with me just something like this. Dear Jesus, I know that I've gone my own way. I know that I've sinned. Lord, I'm sorry for my sin and I don't want to live that way anymore. Lord, help me to follow you every day. Lord, I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me. Thank you for taking my place and paying the debt I could not pay. I give you my life today and I thank you.